Hello and welcome to Made to Measure, the podcast of the Journal of Trading Standards. I'm Paul Evans. In this episode, we'll be hearing from Sarah Kaki, CTSI's new head of policy. The role is a crucial one to CTSI's work, bringing together the promotion of trading standards and consumer protection in the UK, with campaigning for the profession to be recognised as a vital element of enforcement among key stakeholders in government, regulation and society as a whole. Sarah speaks about some of her main priorities, including the ongoing efforts to confront cuts to trading standards and what's being done to mitigate some of their most detrimental effects. She also talks about why trading standards is more important than ever in the wake of events such as the Grenfell Tower tragedy and the continuing uncertainty surrounding the outcome of Brexit, as well as the importance of encouraging young people to become trading standards professionals, surely among the most important and varied careers going. Sarah begins by talking about her background in law and the path that has led her to the head of policy role. Hello, uh, my name is Sarah Kaki. Um, I have recently been appointed to the role of Head of Policy for CTSI. And when I joined CTSI back in July this year, um, one of the most common questions I was asked was, what is your background? So I should really have an answer down pat now. So I have a legal background. I studied law at Queen's University in Belfast. I then qualified as a solicitor through the Institute of Professional Legal Studies, also in Belfast. And in all honesty, uh, I came across trading standards by accident. I was actually looking for a new job opportunity, just a, a change of direction. And I spotted an advertisement for trainee trading standards officers with the trading standard service in Northern Ireland. So I joined uh, the Northern Ireland service in 2012 and underwent my DCATS training and I qualified as an inspector in 2014. Uh, so during that time, I, I suppose I, I worked in different kind of a general all-purpose enforcement team. Uh, I then went in to become more specialist in terms of focusing on unfair terms, in particular to do with the private rented sector and then a state agency. And then just before I left, I was working with the um, EU exit team in trading standards in Northern Ireland, specifically looking at preparing the service kind of on, on an operational perspective in order to ensure preparedness and ongoing service delivery um, for consumers and businesses in Northern Ireland. Having a background in law must give you a particular perspective on trading standards. How do you think it will affect how you approach the head of policy role? Yeah, I think having a legal background is very helpful when it comes to trading standards, simply at a basic level in the day and daily, you're dealing with the legislation, you're enforcing legislation. So being able to get to grips with what a particular piece of legislation says in terms of powers and and what proof of evidence you need, dealing with cases and precedents and understanding the legal system is of great help. It also gives a good perspective in terms of when you're looking at consultations and other debates, you can see the implications of potential wording um, and what that might mean, perhaps where powers might be needed um, by comparing it with other legislation and the importance of, of getting those right so that when it comes to working on the ground that those those powers or those considerations are factored in to make sure that um, on the ground that trading standards have the tools they need to go and enforce the particular regulations. So you're fairly new to the job. What, what are the key things you're particularly keen to focus on to begin with? 
Yeah, um, you're right. I'm only a, a couple of weeks in uh, to the head of policy role. So obviously this will develop further, uh, I'm sure. And I suppose at the outset, it's a real privilege to represent the profession in, in, in these debates that are going to shape and promote the interest of, of the profession across the UK. And, and to me, that's a point in itself is just to continue the work um, that CDSI does to make sure that all the regions of the UK are represented and engaged in those key policy discussions and work. Uh, being from Northern Ireland helps because you have you already have a, a perspective from one of the regions. So um, that that's going to be an important thing to remember. And I think there is something about approaching a, a round year number that that 2020. I suppose we all do it. We take time to take stock and, and prepare for a new decade. And there are obviously some really key points that are already out there for um, trading standards and the consumer uh, landscape as a whole. Um, exiting the EU, a potential white paper, CMA reform proposals, um, the changes to the, the market, how consumers engage with that. Uh, and in fact, that's the, the theme for the CTSI symposium in 2020. And um, we'll be looking, uh, is looking to the future together. Um, so that's going to be an important thing just to pick up on those key debates, but with an eye to the future of what that means for profession to make sure that we're representing the views of, of how you have a profession that is working with the modern market, can continue to regulate and protect consumers and support businesses in the wider economy in, in the midst of these different changes. And presumably a big part of your job involves communicating what's going on within the profession to people on the outside as well. Yeah, that's obviously one of the a key role of policy is being having those discussions with the key stakeholders. So we participate actively in, in the CPP group um, at different levels. So that includes sort of our chief executive and our communications director. And then there's also an intelligent group as well in terms of CPP participation to get round the table with other people working in the consumer protection landscape to look at that. I, I think a really good example of how that's worked for us is the Brexit think tank, which was started back in 2017, as it were. Um, but I think that's a really good example of um, establishing a, quite a unique forum in terms of bringing together those experts in the consumer protection field. Um, there are um, like our lead officers, some other key consumer protection stakeholders um, and getting them around the table to really look at those practical aspects and issues coming out of EU exit and obviously then coming out of that being able to come out with key cross-cutting themes um, and key points for the profession which gives us a, a ground to then go out and um, advocate those and, and get those messages out there in terms of representing those to government. Obviously we engage in the likes of the workforce survey as well to monitor that and use that as a way to, to bring out those those messages to people and, and convey with that and um, so it's something I'm actually I'm really looking forward to getting into those rooms and, and chatting to people and getting to know people and having those conversations about how we can support training standards in the role to achieve those to achieve the work and support the work and um, the brilliant work that, that's ongoing. Now obviously cuts to trading standards have had a huge impact are there any glimmers of optimism, though? Are you looking at ways of trying to mitigate the extreme negative effects of cuts? That's a challenging question. Um, obviously, you know, since 2010, the, our annual workforce surveys have highlighted a greater than 50% fall in actual spending on trading standards. I think one one recent glimmer of hope or, or just a really clear statement came, there was a recent report from um, the House of Commons Business, Energy and Industrial Strategy Committee just earlier this month, um, which really highlighted the struggling situation of local trading standards. And in that report, there was a very strong call from the committee um, for the department 
to stop hiding behind cuts elsewhere and take responsibility for local trading standards and to work with others across government to ensure it's fully funded. And obviously that report, the particular focus of that was safety of electrical goods in the UK, which is obviously a very pertinent issue at the moment. But I think that that idea and I think this report obviously comes on the back of other reports over the past few years that are just highlighting the impact of when you cut trading standards, the impact that has on consumers, ultimately putting consumers at risk. Um, trading standards enforces over 260 different pieces of legislation and has different statutory duties and, and these are growing. Um, and that then sits in contrast with these cuts that are happening. It's crucial to highlight that the significant work that's being carried on by trading standards across the UK day and daily that makes a real difference to consumers and businesses and and the wider economy and a, another recent report and um, the one from AXO on the value of trading standards looking at the impacts and outcomes and um, it really does just that I mean the pages are full of examples of what trading standards are achieving and some of the figures are, are staggering um, and you are encouraged listeners to go to go and read it but for example at, at least was it 42.6 million in consumer detriment was prevented by trading standards activity so I, in terms of glimmers of hope I think it I don't mean it to sound as a cliche, but I think it is actually, it's in the profession, it is in the people that are enforcing this day and daily that this, um, the likes of the AXO report and all the good work that it's done, the more we can collate that and advocate that, that can sit alongside or can demonstrate, yes, there is mounting evidence of the impacts of cuts, but also there's mounting evidence and case studies and best practices, the likes of the CTSI Hero Wars, all highlighting what is being achieved in the, in that context by the profession um, and the commitment that trading standards officers show um, to those in the local communities to stand between um, vulnerable consumers and scams, doorstep traders, unsafe products, unsafe foods, um, all of that, the, all the roles that we perform as a profession, um, the, the commitment to make sure that those happen as much as possible in this context. You wrote a column for the forthcoming issue of the Journal of Trading Standards about how the Grenfell Tower fire highlights the importance of trading standards, product safety and consumer protection. Do you think that's a message that's really being heard, though, by the government? I think, you know, obviously that in preparing for the article, I was I was looking at some of the fire statistics and when your wife it's came across it that fires due to faulty appliances are the second uh, largest cause category for accidental dwelling fires and as we kind of discuss in in the article um it's it's a question of not seeing that as as a normal or or a routine event that that's actually that's a result of non-compliance um and consumers rightly expect that that goods come with high standards um goods that you use every day that take up you know sit in the corners of of their homes doing various functions and trading standards enforce the regulations and undertake market surveillance to ensure that goods meet those standards so certainly there is um important conversations to be had around that and and lessons to be learned from that to bring that forward i think product safety i mean again referencing some reports like the lynn Foldswood report in 2016 um highlighted the importance of trading standards rule in terms of product safety um our plenary our plenary session at the last symposium um, one of the days focused on regulatory crisis and there was um video we put together for that and um, which outlined the importance of the trading standards interventions at, uh, balanced against the capacity and it's a really striking video and it, and it certainly set the scene for the panel discussions at 
at, at symposium in terms of highlighting those those key issues. Um, and I think it is it's an important message to keep conveying that the cuts to trading standards do put consumers at risk from unsafe or, or dangerous goods. And obviously there's there's many layers of enforcement in among that, but that's really what it what it comes down to. And unfortunately with the likes of Whirlpool um having gone on for several years and some people having had you know, incidents of fire as a result of, of their Whirlpool products. Um, and even the report I say referenced from Bayes um, picking up some other issues with that. Um, they're an unfortunate reminder of the importance of the product safety regime and the enforcement and the role of TSS. Do you think there's a tendency for trading standards work to be taken for granted and, and, and then it takes something like Grenfell or, or, or foot and mouth previously for it really to be pushed into the wider conversation? Yeah, I think, I mean, there's a point that Often the important work that trading standards do across the UK on a daily basis can sometimes go unseen. Um, and there's a huge breadth of work being carried out um, and, and our range of lead officers reflects the areas that it covers, um, as does the list of over 250 statutory duties. And perhaps that that is in the nature of protecting consumers. And um, we're trying to get in there before something happens. You're trying to stop dangerous goods from getting into consumers' hands. You're trying to stop scams before people lose tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of pounds. You're trying to stop unscrupulous traders before they cause damage and harm to um, to consumers. So you're trying to get in there to do that. And obviously sometimes we we have to be reactive in, in terms of, of the cuts and, and working on intelligence and things that we receive. But consumers expect a certain level of compliance. So, I mean, there is an element that the work can go unseen and, and that's where the important role of so the likes of the AXA report bringing attention to that, the likes of in 2017 CTSI put together with LGA um, a, a best practice guide of some good examples that are going across at the minute. I'm actually in St Andrews at the minute at a Scottish branch meeting where they're sharing some best practices and having some really good conversations about um, how they can serve their local communities and make a difference um, through their work, how they can deliver for consumers and businesses. Um, so I think, um, I think yes, there is a point you might take it for granted, but it, it it should still be there. I mean, you should consumers should be able to rely on high standards of product safety, high standards when it comes to um, food production, high standards when it comes to animal health, high standards when it comes to the goods and the services, the contracts that they use. They should be taking that for granted. And I think it's important then to balance that out with the role and the support and funding for trading standards to make sure there's adequate officers and trading standards professionals across um, the UK that are there to fulfil that and uphold that. Now, you've mentioned the Brexit think tank already. Brexit's obviously been a long-running source of confusion and concern. As, as we exit 2019, are we any closer to having clarity on how it's likely to affect trading standards issues? Yeah, I think um, maybe maybe to use the uh, strictly phrase of being on a journey <laughs> with uh, with <laughs> with Brexit. Obviously, it's been two years since the CDSI. Brexit think tank was first convened in 2017, and EU exit timelines have evolved and shifted. And um, we're in a another flex, we're in another extension, another flex extension period, um, until the end of January. Um, so CTSI has continued in in our commitment to monitor those developments, to provide that policy and practical expertise with regard to the consumer protection and with regulation. Um, and obviously that one of the key things to come out of the um, think tank was the report, the cutting EU ties um, that was circulated to members and has been um, published and has been since been updated or the summary booklet rather has been since updated. And I think those key initial 
cross-cutting findings that were set out in that report still remain pertinent uh, in terms of the consumer protection that a great deal of EU consumer law has been integrated into the UK and that and that's not at risk. Um, while you welcome those ambitions that there'll be no lowering of, of consumer protection, no lowering of standards, um, that ambition is undermined um, as there's crucial areas of cooperation and reciprocity with EU networks and regulations that we can't that, that can't be unilaterally recreated by ourselves um, and there'll be issues to do with cross-border purchases, access to justice and cooperation when it comes to enforcement and similarly with it comes to regulatory standards as well. So again that reciprocal nature of the two systems working together and again a commitment not to lower standards in regulated areas. But again as you said earlier being counterbalanced with the challenges in terms of trading standard capacity for regulatory resources and those have been halved in under a decade. So it's it's continuing to point out and for CTSI to continue to highlight that those ambitions are can be frustrated by by the impacts of cuts and that significant gap between those ambitions for consumer protection, for regulatory standards, for market surveillance and the severely depleted resources that trading standard officers have. Obviously Brexit it does present an opportunity, um, a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to, um, if if the UK should leave the EU, um, to delayer, simplify and adapt our consumer and regulatory regime and policy. In in the you know it gives us a chance to to look at that, to open those, um, to open those statute books up and have a look at what's there, um, to see if there's a way to streamline it and make it more efficient. So I think in terms of there's obviously been so much preparation put in place and. I, in terms of no deal, that I mean, that was a drive for there was a, a concerted effort by civil servants to get the legislation ready. Um, and as they obviously were, we're in a flex tension period at the minute, so um, those those statutes still continue to sit there to wait to see how that would how that would play out if if that's needed. Um, obviously, um, from our point of view, if if post election that the UK does leave the EU, it, it's key that it does so with that period of transition or implementation and without sudden shocks and overnight changes to our regulatory regime um, so that business and consumers have the time they need to consider the changes um, to issues such as product standards, um, conformity assessment procedures and marketing. So it's work that we are going to continue to work on. Um, The Brexit think tank met in August this year specifically to look at no deal and and the aspects of of what that may mean, uh, I suppose, in in short. that a no deal would mean that overnight um, there would be substantial changes that the legal and regulatory scene would have to look at. Again, looking in that context of um, the reduction in resources of trading standards officers by more than 50%. And do we have the capacity in order to deal with those sudden shocks and those sudden changes? So, I mean, there's there's other points, you know, to do with, with no deal, but I, I think that at the minute... A lot of the legislation, the work has been done. I think it's still that uncertainty, which is unfortunate. one of those unfortunate words that has been caught up with Brexit, that it's very hard. You feel you shouldn't really use because it's almost overused now. But um, we're still in that period of, of waiting, that we're waiting for a decision on if we exit, how we exit and what that will mean. And, you know, whatever the decision is, there's still going to be really important conversations to be had for trading standards, even going forward and likes of you know, EU, diver- EU divergence, what's going to happen there? If it's no deal, how do we make sure um, 
that everything's ready on the ground or authorizations in place do people have what they need on their warrants to make sure that they can go out and enforce it will the legislation that's sitting there ready to go for no deal it, it's untested so we'll only know if it works once it's gone live and it's put into action and obviously there's there's always the potential for again another brexit word an unknown of or an unintended lacuna or consequences you just don't know there's new things to get to grips with which obviously as as trading standards officers businesses come to you for advice so just as the trading standards officers have to get to grips with it in order to enforce their duties they also have to get to grips with it in order to advise the businesses um and to bring that Well, finally, against the backdrop of some of the things we've been talking about, probably most pertinently cut, what do you think are some of the ways in which more people, especially young people, can be encouraged to enter the trading standards profession? I think, um, obviously, from my own background, I mean, I, I didn't set out when I was in university to be a trading standards officer. I don't think anyone actually, looking back, thinking back over numerous job fairs or other opportunities I I don't think it was ever mentioned to me so it's a, it's an interesting idea of how you how you promote the profession for I, I mean I'm, I, my experience is, is law graduates I'm not saying only law graduates go into the profession by any means but how you get that message out there as as a as a career option as as a profession um to talk about that I think it's a really important thing to engage younger people in younger people or new people into the profession um and that, that it's not just a numbers game do you know it's not just we're running out of people um because of austerity or because of the cuts i mean those th- those problems will have to be solved first because obviously you don't want to invite um recent graduates into a profession where it's potentially in jeopardy because of of funding so I, I don't know whether that makes it a chicken and egg situation that in order to advocate for people to join the profession, that you need to address the issues in terms of um, cuts and support for the profession to make sure that it's, it's viable. Because um, obviously, I mean, I, I joined through the civil service in Northern Ireland because that's the way trading standards works. But I mean, I went into it with the mind of this is going to be my this is going to be my job. I'm not going to go in and train for a couple of years, not not for this not to be my job. Now, the path for me has obviously taken me out of direct enforcement and in into this policy role because, I mean, it's such a diverse job. I mean, really, I, I was talking with someone earlier today and we were, we were laughing that if you actually wrote down in a job description everything that a trading standards officer may be required to know or the skills it would be great to have, it, it's almost this it, it's an incre- it would be a phenomenal list um because you are bringing together those and obviously it depends in your local area what what the enforcement priorities are what what particular um remits that you have but i mean you're coming again you have a law background you're dealing with legislation in the night um there's obviously you need to be very good with people you need to be great unfortunately you need to be very good at conflict resolution sometimes in dealing with those difficult conversations with people you need to be able to explain con or difficult concepts very very simply um you need to be able to engage with legislation um consultations there's also when you get into the likes of metrology there's the science and technological element behind it all as well as the other um other areas that are much the very technical areas of trading standards so I mean it is a very diverse field which has the potential to attract a lot of different people and I think personally I find it um such a rewarding field to be part of um because you're making direct impacts on people's lives so if you can change the 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 unfair practices of a business you've perhaps because someone's alerted it to you 
you can maybe get redress or, or assist someone or advise someone how to get redress themselves, but you've changed business practices on how that business will deal with every other consumer that they come in contact with. If you address unsafe or dangerous products or unsafe foods or other than myriad of issues, you're changing how that business works for other consumers and the experience that they have and hopefully have that improved, compliant um, relationship with businesses, which improves the businesses, which improves the economy. I mean, it. It really is when you look at the impact, again, to even have a look at the AXO report in terms of the numbers of visits that are done in terms of business advice and the impacts of consumers and looking at some of the other data on scams, how the impact of someone fitting a call blocker can have on someone's life. It's remarkable. So, I mean, in terms of having a sales pitch for a career, it's, it's a brilliant it's a brilliant job to work in and a brilliant profession to work with. And particularly now I'm. I'm really delighted to be able to be in that role um, as head of policy to to be around the table with people and then also to take all that knowledge and expertise and bring it to bear on the big debates that are happening um, to affect the profession and to advance the profession and support them in what they do. Well, that's it for another episode. Thanks to Sarah for talking to us and thank you for listening. We'll be back again in a fortnight's time with more from the world of trading standards. If you have any ideas or suggestions for the podcast or you just want to get in touch, send us an email to madetomeasure at jtsmag.uk. Don't forget to like and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you're listening to us. Until next time, goodbye. Goodbye.